Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. How would you respond if the United States was bombed by a foreign aggressor? It would be a difficult situation. However, for Jessica Wiebe, she is dealing with the devastation in her home country of Ukraine with prayer for the Ukrainian and the Russian people. Thank you, Sarah, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I trust you've enjoyed the last few podcasts that we focused on Cedarville connections with the crisis in Ukraine. If you're not able to listen to these programs, I encourage you to go back and hear the stories of Leah Harper, the missionary who was caring for Ukrainian refugees, and Abigail Riss, the missionary kid from Ukraine who shared about the devastation at her former school and the playground where she played as a young child. In both of these programs, you'll hear the heart of Jesus that Leah and Abigail have for the Ukrainian people. Today's program, I believe, will showcase that same heartbeat as I'm talking with Jessica Wiebe, another missionary kid from Ukraine who is a freshman studying social work at Cedarville University. Jessica lived the majority of her life in Ukraine, but she also spent a few years living in Siberia. We'll get into these stories later on the podcast, but for now, let me welcome Jessica Wiebe to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, Jessica. It's great to have you today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Jessica, it's great to have you in studio today to talk about your experiences of living in Ukraine and hear how you are dealing with the current crisis in your homeland. But before we get to that part of the program, I'm interested in knowing how a young person from Siberia and Ukraine found her way to Cedarville University. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, for sure. I actually heard about Cedarville University through my sister, who is an alumni. She graduated last spring. She's an education major, um, or was, and now she's teaching. But um, yeah, she came in as a freshman, and I got to hear how she loved Cedarville and her experience here um, for all four years. And I just fell in love with it through the things that she shared with me. For someone who lived in foreign countries the majority of your life, like you have, Jessica, did you find the transition to Cedarville and living in the United States easy or difficult? Yeah, you know, it wasn't too big of an adjustment. Um, Over the years, our family was able to come back to the States um, on furlough for the summers, and we would see relatives. um, So that definitely helped, you know, getting used to being in the States for short periods of time. Um, And I also went to an international school um, from third grade all the way through 12th grade, um, which was an American system. So being in a school where English is um, the language that we're taught in, and it's totally set up like an American school. That definitely helped too. Let's drill down on that a little bit, Jessica. Were there specific people at Cedarville who helped you transition to campus life, whether they're faculty, staff, or students? Yeah, I think definitely um, knowing people coming into um, college helped. Um, there's There were several people that I knew before coming here, like Abigail Rist, um, a couple of the other MKs from Ukraine um, that I had known and so and have been friends with for a long time so coming in it was great to have each other kind of as a support system um, as well as my roommate we got to know each other over the summer so you know we we always joke that coming in it was like we already knew each other um, even though we had never met each other before so that definitely was great. I believe you've lived in Ukraine since the first grade so approximately you were six years of age what have been the main differences of living in Ukraine compared to the United States? Yeah, I think uh, one major difference um, specifically between Ohio and Ukraine is just, um, you know, Ohio is like a rural kind of, we're out in the cornfields. 
Um, and then I grew up in the city. So I think that's one major difference that I think a lot of Cedarville students could even relate to those who've come from um, being in the city. But uh, Ukraine is different. Um, you know, Ukrainians think of time differently. That's more fluid for them. You know, the food is different. Um, just kind of the way that they build relationships is different um, for sure. And so, yeah, those are some of the main things, you know, even personal space is one thing that I have um, grown used to not like having so much of that, um, you know, like public transportation is a huge part of being in, in Ukraine, especially in Kiev. Um, and you very quickly learn that personal space is kind of not a thing. People cram onto the buses, onto public transportation, and um, you're, you just get close to people <laughs> very, very quickly. You mentioned food and time. So in terms of time, Jessica, if you're not doing five things at once in the United States, there's a perception that something's wrong. Is that how it is in Ukraine and with the Ukrainian people? Uh, not quite. It's a little different. Yeah. Time definitely is more fluid there. So, you know, people aren't so quick to make like a schedule or plan for their day. You know, they, they sort of have a, a rough idea of what they want to get done, but, um, you know, they'll just start with one thing. And if the other things they had planned don't happen, then they just focus on whatever they can. Um, you know, it's not uncommon to make plans last minute and to have like spontaneous things come out throughout the day. And in terms of cities, Jessica, you lived in Kiev, which is the capital city. What is a comparable city in Ohio to Kiev? Is it Columbus or is Kiev larger than Columbus? Um, I'd say it is probably larger. Um, and I think, you know, things are kind of more closely um, connected. Like the buildings are just closer to one another. It's kind of more compact. So um, it feels like you're a lot more like uh, you're just closer to other people in general with like, um, the distance between different things like the supermarket or, you know, the bank and just things are a lot more compact in that sense. So, so making the adjustment from Ukraine to the United States to come to college, I, I, I would think that's a difficult transition. It's, it's, it was difficult for me to move from Pittsburgh to St. Louis. I can't imagine the, the transition that you'd have to make from Ukraine to, to the United States. So were there people here at on campus at Cedarville that helped you with that transition? Yeah, definitely. Um, the friends that I've come to make here have been um, a really strong encouragement and support system for me transitioning, um, as well as, you know, Abigail Rist um, that you mm -hmm. recorded the previous podcast with. Um, right. I've known her my whole life. So um, being able to see her around campus, just, you know, whenever we get to cross paths or get coffee together and hang out, that's definitely been such a um, encouragement to me that we get to, you know, talk about things that maybe we miss or that we're struggling with and, and share that with one another, as well as a couple of the other um, Ukrainian students on campus. What, is this, what are some of the things that you really miss about Ukraine? I think I really miss the food. That's a major um, aspect. I miss some of my mom's like home cooking and some of the Ukrainian food that she would make. There's this one um, restaurant that's kind of a buffet style that um, Abigail and I have both been to kind of a family tradition that we would go on Sundays after church. Um, okay. You get um, traditional Ukrainian food there. And so that's been an aspect that I've missed um, a lot for sure, as well as uh, just the city. Um, I love the city, the architecture, um, all the different cafes and restaurants, just being able to, you know, walk around um, downtown with my friends. That was a big part of things that I missed. So you talk about traditional Ukrainian food. I don't know mm -hmm. if I've ever had 
mm-hmm. traditional Ukrainian foods. I don't really know what it's like. How is it different than American food? Um, it's similar in that um, there's a lot of potatoes uh, in different forms. I feel like Americans like their potatoes. We do. You know, mashed potatoes, fries, different um, different things. But Ukrainians really love their potatoes. Um, and they come in different forms. You know, mashed potatoes, there's boiled potatoes, um, as well as different salads. Salads are a big part of Ukrainian um, cuisine, as well as uh, borscht. It's a beet soup. Um, this, beet? It's a beet soup. Oh, yeah. Boy. It's <laughs> sounds a little intimidating, but <laughs> it's really good. Um, it's kind of this like hearty soup with meat and it's kind of a, a staple um, and different grains like buckwheat. Um, those are definitely foods that a lot of Ukrainians love. So the beet soup is made with beets? Yes. It's the one food I won't eat. But <laughs> I recommend trying it sometime. It's really good. Well, maybe someday, uh, maybe by the time you graduate from Cedarville, I'll, I'll try it. I don't know. Uh, in honor of you and Abigail, um, a little bit ago you mentioned about um, Professor Brown being in working in um, medical social work. Um, you're only one year into your college education, but have you given any thought to how you want to practice or what what kind of social work you want to practice when you graduate? Yeah, um, I a few months ago I was definitely very interested in medical social work, but. Um, since the war in Ukraine and just how things have been going over there, it has really made me interested in doing international or refugee social work. Um, and I'm not sure whether I, I would be going overseas or um, staying in the States, but it's definitely something I want to look into. And I, I'm very interested in seeing how I can work in that field and that aspect. Now, your time with Leah Harper didn't uh, overlap here, no, but you know no. about Leah Harper and that's what she's doing right now in Romania. Yeah, I have heard about her and um, the internship or the study abroad uh, right. program that she did in Romania and how she's now working with Ukrainian refugees. So that's definitely something that interests me as well. Yeah, I want to pivot to the current situation in Ukraine uh, for a bulk of the conversation now. And I know there's been tension between Russia and Ukraine for many years. Uh, Russia annexed Crimea eight years ago. But when you first heard that Russian troops were circling Ukraine and they hadn't invaded, did you ever think Russia would invade when you heard of all that was going on? And did you think if they invaded, they would invoke so much devastation and harm on the Ukrainian people? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I I think I remember December sitting down with uh, one of my high school friends and we were talking about it and she was kind of sharing what her family was thinking and how she was like, did you realize like there's like troops building up on the border? And I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize how serious it was starting to get. And, um, and we would just start talking about it. And I wasn't too concerned at the time. Um, but then as I continued to follow the news in January and then leading into the beginning of February, I was like, just almost like waiting as like, okay, this is getting serious. Like something's going to happen. I didn't know what exactly that was going to look like. Um, but I definitely did not expect it to escalate as quickly as it did, especially when it came to um, Kiev. I thought, you know, maybe it would start more in the east and then slowly move west. But right. um, it, the day that it happened, I had not checked the news yet. And it was later in the evening and I opened um, mm-hmm. our class chat that we had created from the class I graduated with in high school. And they were all saying, did you guys see the news like Kiev is being bombed? And I was like, what? No, I didn't check. And so I was suddenly on the phone, you know, calling my family and friends and yeah. being like, what's going on? Where is where is it being hit? Um, trying to understand how it could be happening so fast. 
Mm. How hard was it for you to grasp what was really going on, knowing that you have friends there even today? Um, it was very challenging at first to, yeah, like you said, just grasp how um, serious it was getting so fast. Um, I definitely felt numb at first. Um, I think the mental preparation I had beforehand, knowing that something could happen, kind of helped. But I I was definitely numb for a few days. And I talked with Abigail Riss that very night. I mm-hmm. um, spent time with her and, and some of the other Ukrainian MKs. And we just shared with one another, talked and kind of processed. So um, that was definitely super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but even now it's still sometimes hard to just process that it's really happening and yeah. how serious it is. So I know Abigail told me that she initially had trouble sleeping. Was that an issue that you faced or were you able just to go with the flow? And even though it was difficult, uh, you were just trusting the Lord. I think I, I did struggle. Um, I struggled uh, being able to break my focus away to focus on school or homework or okay. even in classes. It was and still is constantly on my mind. I I can't ever really go without not thinking about it um, or wanting to check the news and just see, you know, what's going on because it's it's happening so fast. Things are changing so quickly. So um, it's hard not to want to constantly be checking to see, okay, what new updates are coming right. out, what's going on. Right. Um, so yeah, it's still, it's still a challenge to um, process and to try to stay focused on things I need to work on here. Right. So before we started recording the, the program, uh, you mentioned that you still have lifelong friends back in Ukraine. How are they doing? Um, so two of my um, friends who are Ukrainian that I grew up with and graduated with, their families uh, stayed in Kiev and were there um, when the invasion happened. Um, so I was definitely really concerned for their families and constantly asking them, like, how is your family doing? What's going on? What are the, what's going on with them? And how are they staying safe? Um, and one of my friends shared that her family was, they didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't have a bomb shelter where they could go to, mm. but they did have um, an indoor pool that was drained. So they ended up putting mattresses down in the pool and using that as a place to stay for several nights in a row because they didn't have a basement either where they could just um, be protected. So they use an indoor pool. Yeah. How hard was it for, for them to drain the pool? Um, it had been drained before. They had for several years already they hadn't used it um, oh, okay. for various reasons so it was already drained and they had just put down mattresses in there are indoor pools uh, common in no <laughs> okay so no. that seems like really special yes. uh, accommodations yeah so yeah. how long did they stay in the pool um so during the day they would be able to come out and um just you know cook food use their, their go throughout the rest of the house but at night they would they spend the nights um in the pool um just because that's when you know, Kiev was getting most heavily bombed was during the night. How much, how much protection do you think that really provided? Because there's, if they're still in their house, I mm-hmm. mean, the house would be, could be uh, destroyed easily. You know, I think it helps from any glass that could be shattered um, and from okay. any debris that could be flying like from different sides. True. Um, they actually have this, uh, my friend's family, they have a cafe um, and the doors and the windows were completely blown out of their cafe, um, which is only like 10 or 15 minutes from their house. And so that was definitely something that really kind of brought gravity to this, to the situation. Um, And yeah, it's just scary to hear those things. I want to take a break from my conversation on the podcast so I can tell you about 
Cedarville University's Transform Tour that is coming to a city near you. The Transform Tour would travel 10,000 miles over 26 days to achieve one goal, that being to proclaim the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're scheduled to be in 13 cities, including Grand Rapids, Michigan, Chicago, Denver, Houston, Tampa, and Washington, D.C., to name a few. To learn more about the Transform Tour, visit cedarville.edu slash transform tour. The event is free, but registration is required, so reserve your place today by visiting cedarville.edu slash transform tour. We are looking forward to seeing you during the Transform Tour. Now here's the rest of today's Cedarville Stories podcast. So as you follow the news, you, you, you see minute by minute the devastation that's, that's taking place in Ukraine. And many experts thought Russia would take over Ukraine in a matter of days. And now we're over a month into the, the war and Ukraine is still holding steady. Are you surprised that your countrymen have been able to withhold the Russian military as well as they have? You know, I'm both surprised and not. Um, considering the, the military and the weapons that Ukraine has, I think I probably expected that things would deteriorate much quicker. But knowing how Ukrainians are, their spirit, their mentality, and just the sense of unity that they have amongst one another and their willingness to fight for what they know is theirs and for their freedom, that does not surprise me at all that, you know, regular civilians who have no military experience are just willing to step up and and do what needs to be done. Yeah. Do you know of anyone who's actually fighting? Um, I don't know of anyone personally. I know one of my classmates who um, has a brother who actually fought and and ended up dying. Mm, That's sad. And I'd like to bring this conversation closer to home uh, because I know your parents eventually evacuated to Poland as they are working with refugees in Warsaw. But also your mom's family still is in Odessa, mm-hmm. which is in southern Ukraine and is the subject of potential heavy warfare uh, going on. Are you able to communicate with your parents and then your mom's family on a regular basis? Yeah, I've been uh, keeping in touch with my parents for sure. Um, they went over there to work with uh, missionary partners and refugees um, sorting out how to get humanitarian aid across the border um, yeah. from Poland to Ukraine. Um, and I've been hearing through my mom just about my relatives. Um, I have aunts, uncles, cousins there. I actually have um, kept in touch with my cousin who um, left temporarily to Moldova. Um, but then she got called back to work. So she's actually back in Ukraine now, um, just you know, trying to continue on with regular life as much as possible. Um, but so they're doing okay for now. They're safe, but they're definitely um, scared. They don't know what's going to happen. So, so how, are, is your family, not your immediate family, but your mom's family, are they all believers? Yes. They are. How are they processing the war and dealing with it? Being, I mean, they're in the, they're in the epicenter of, of the battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, yeah, like I said, they don't know what's going to happen, but they're also, they're trusting that, um, you know, it's in God's hands. He's in control and right. they know that. Um, they're, you know, continuing to help in church, working, um, serving the community and working with, um, you know, Ukrainian refugees from com- coming from other areas of the country. Um, my extended, one of my extended relatives, she is working with orphans who were um, 
left behind who don't have anyone and she's working on keeping them safe and finding places for them to stay. So as we move toward the latter part of today's program, um, Jessica, as you see the war unfolding, uh, I would think it could be easy for you or anyone, for that matter, uh, who has family or friends in Ukraine to become angry, maybe bitter, uh, with the Russian people, with uh, President Putin for the war crimes that he's been committing. Um, Has the Lord been able to direct your heart away from a heart of bitterness and more even to a warmer heart toward the Russian people. Is that even possible? Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. I have struggled with that for sure. It's been kind of a those two contradicting emotions of yeah. feeling the hurt for the Ukrainian people, but also, um, and for my relatives and all my friends back there, but also understanding that, you know, the Russian soldiers who are doing this, and they, they need Christ as much as anyone else does, yeah. as much as any other unbelieving Ukrainian soldier might need. Um, and, you know, that that kind of helps put things into perspective. And, you know, God, he has control over the situation. He ultimately, um, he knows what's going to happen, what the outcome is, and whether this means that more people come to know Christ um, or not, that's the Lord knows. And and if that's what it takes, then it's for his glory and it has a purpose. So this this question just hit me. Um, If you were given the, the opportunity to talk to a Russian leader, a, a a Russian family or whatever, what would you say to them right now? I would ask them um, first to, I'd ask them, are you seeing what's happening on the news? You know, it's hard. There's a lot of Russian propaganda. Um, and so I would, you know, ask them, what do you think is going on? First and foremost, right. what right. is your perception of what's happening in Ukraine and what's right. going on with the Ukrainian people? Um, and, just ask them kind of what their heart is and what their mentality and what their perspective is on what's going on. And then try to point them to, you know, this is really what it's looking like. This is really how it feels from the other side and try to kind of reconcile like some of that maybe confusion that they have over, you know, like why is Russia doing this or, or why would they invade? And, and yeah, kind of try to clear up a little bit of that. Yeah. So, we we talked about Abigail a few times on the on the podcast, and uh, I remember talking with her uh, th- two three weeks ago. And at that point, it was like she would rather be in Ukraine helping than being here. How are you on that perspective? Are you glad you're here in the United States studying, or would you rather be back home with your family with your family and friends? You know that yeah, that's a great question. I we've talked about this together too. Um, I am so grateful for the safety that I have here, and um, it's, I almost feel guilty, you know, saying like, oh, I wish I was there because everyone there is like, why would you ever wish that? You know, it's so challenging to, you know, you don't even understand like what we're going through in that aspect. But I, I do feel this sense of, I wish I could be there. I want to be home. I want to help. Um, I want to do whatever I can and to just be with those who are hurting that I know and, and to almost just walk alongside them and to experience that with them. I want to thank Jessica for sharing uh, her story today on the podcast. I do have a couple more questions that before I we wrap it up, but um, obviously um, we talked about again. Abigail was on the podcast uh, two weeks ago, and, and like you, she's from Kiev. You guys were, I guess, classmates, right? Um, 
has this situation that we've been seeing in our in the news every day has this situation helped you and Abigail form an even even tighter bond between the two of you? Yeah, it definitely has. Um, we um, were thankfully we able, were able to have class uh, together last semester, so we got to see each other pretty frequently. Um, and then this semester, you know, with our different schedules, it was you know hard to um, kind of find time to meet up with each other. But as soon as things um, you know got really serious and when um russia invaded we immediately were just like we're here for, like i'm here for you we're here for each other and um we've been staying in contact like every day we talk every day um pretty much by, personally, personally. Or by, by phone by text uh everything <laughs> we yeah. text we call we uh, meet up we hang out we grab coffee we have meals together we um we spend so much time together now and it has definitely strengthened um, our friendship and just our bond over Ukraine. Is she your best friend on campus? Um, one of my closest for sure. Yeah. I mean, you guys are sharing, I mean, you guys shared similar experiences back in Ukraine. Yeah. And I, I couldn't think of a better person f- for both of you guys to mm-hmm. interact with on a daily basis than each other. Right. Yeah. We, we understand each other on a different level. So. Yeah, I bet you do. So my last question as we r- close the program is, um, how can Americans, how can people who are listening to this podcast today pray for you, pray for Ukraine, pray for the situation? What Can you give us some uh, ways that we can uh, uplift you before the Lord? Yeah, I would um, definitely ask that people would continue to just have intentionality about, you know, watching the news as hard as it can be and maybe overwhelming. You know, it's just staying aware of the situation is so important. And um, being sensitive to what Ukrainians are going through and what's happening um, and just continuing to pray. I think that's something that people um, here maybe feels like, oh, I, I'm not sure like what we can do. Like, it seems like, oh, all we have left is to pray. But, you know, prayer is so powerful. Um, and, uh, you know, praying individually, praying groups, I think is, is so important. Um, and just having that awareness and that um, willingness to you know, to, to pray and to just, um, just be aware of what's going on. Um, also, you know, um, asking what ways you can donate, what ways you can help, because there are so many, um, organizations, there's, um, places to, to donate and to, um, collect humanitarian aid for. Um, so I would, I just ask that people continue to, to stay aware of what's going on and sensitive to. Well, I, I know one thing, um, the people who listen to this podcast will pray for you and uh, and what you just said. So I thank you for sharing that. Um, and I encourage everyone to continue to follow the news. And as you see uh, the daily situations, uh, think about the not only the people who are back in Ukraine, but pray for Abigail and pray for um, Jessica and the people here at Cedarville University who are trying to minister to, to them as well. Um, it's a serious time. And... Um, That'd be great if we can all come alongside in prayer and just um, written notes and whatever forms of encouragement we can provide uh, during these tough times for for these two young ladies. So, Jessica, my time is up. I I could keep talking to you a lot longer, but uh, I'm going to leave it there. And I just want to thank you for being transparent and open about what's going on in, in your life and in Ukraine. And thanks for for sharing that this week on the Cedar Real Stories yeah. podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed sharing with you guys, and um, I hope you know someone takes something away from it. 
I'm sure they will. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, friends. We are bringing Cedarville University to cities all across the country in our first ever nationwide tour. As part of the Transform Tour, you'll experience dynamic worship, be challenged from God's Word, and hear how God is blessing and transforming lives at Cedarville. Visit cedarville.edu forward slash transform tour to discover if we'll be near you. We hope to see you there.